Well, uh, happy Mother's Day. Uh, big deal to be able to be here at church, and uh, particularly those of you who are new mom. And uh, I know it's hard to not do that uh, on a day like today. But uh, we do appreciate you joining with us. I'm grateful because uh, for me, I have a number of incredible moms in my life, my own mom, who uh, now that we're uh, online actually gets to watch this morning. Uh, my mother-in-law, who uh, an incredibly godly woman as well, who uh, raised my wife and did a great job with, uh, with their family. Uh, I am fortunate that my wife as a, as a mom uh, to our boys set an incredible example for them. And now uh, then as a, as a mother-in-law and now as a, a grandmother or nana, as they call her. And then uh, I have uh, two daughters, uh, actually daughter-in-laws, but I don't think of them that way. I think of them as daughters who now our moms as well, and doing a great job uh, raising uh, our grandchildren. So uh, I'm incredibly blessed on a day like today, and, I, and I'm fortunate because I get to pastor uh, a church of incredibly um, great women who uh, have set a great example as moms. And even the moms that, even the ladies that we have in the church who <clears throat> maybe were not actual quote-unquote moms in the term that we think of it, but have been a mom to my own kids and the kids around, and uh, it's just an incredible blessing. And so I just want to thank you for, for joining us today. I trust that your day is special. I trust that uh, you, you are able to celebrate uh, a little bit of uh, this incredible opportunity to, to be a mom, and for those of us that, that have moms still with us, that we can celebrate uh, with them as well. Um, thanks for joining. It looks like we're going to be doing this for just a little bit longer uh, right now, uh, we, uh, trust me, we are looking forward to getting back together in the building again. But uh, we want to be incredibly cautious. And uh, we, in our area, the numbers uh, continue to rise. And we are really looking for them to stable, to, to get a little more stable or, or, or taper off uh, before we start uh, meeting again on site. And Again, we will, some have been asking, we will continue to do the online thing from this point on as well. So I uh, don't feel like uh, the minute we get to open back up, you have to, you have to come or make a decision to not watch. So uh, we're going we're gonna to go in that direction as well. So it won't be an either or, but uh, we're going to be continuing to offer both. Let me encourage you uh, to get on our email. Uh, that is our primary way of communicating during the week. So uh, that will help us as... Uh, uh, we try to communicate with you, and then I am trying to do a, so far been pretty successful at it, and trying to, on Thursday uh, or Friday at the latest, get online with the Facebook thing and, and just touch base with you. Um, I trust you've had a good week. Um, I know that uh, for some it's been hard. I know we've had a lot of farmers that have been working hard in the fields and, and, and getting things uh, done. Uh, let me remind you that during times like this, what you focus on, has a big impact on the direction your week takes. So let me encourage you to try to focus on uh, that which is positive, that which is encouraging. Uh, let me encourage you to, to encourage others, uh, to help them as we go forward in, uh, in uh, this uh, pandemic and, and, and crisis as, we, as our country faces it. So um, let's go ahead and start our morning with a word of prayer. So let's pray. Lord, um, thank you for another week. Lord, you have allowed us to be in this country at this time, and we are so grateful. Um, Lord, help those that are struggling. 
Um, Lord, for, for many, it's tough right now. Um, loved ones that are struggling. We have people that are having a hard time financially. We have others, Lord, who um, health-wise, there's concerns, but yet, uh, Lord, uh, not able to, to get them taken care of. Uh, Lord, for others, uh, we, uh, the distant, just, just the, uh, the idea of being apart and alone is, is taking its toll. So I pray that you would encourage their hearts this morning. And Lord, for those that are on the front line, would you strengthen them and continue to give them the grace and the strength that they need. For our leaders, as they have to make really tough decisions, Lord, in which there are always going to be people who are um, uh, upset or, or not in agreement, Lord, with what they, they, they want to happen. Um, Lord, watch over and, and, and give them wisdom. Lord, um, as we open your word this morning, I ask that you speak to our hearts. Or it's really easy sometimes to just hear. But uh, Lord, may we not just hear this morning, but may we apply it. May it change the way that we think, the way we live, the way we act our, our lives this week. And when it is all said and done, Lord, um, draw us closer to each other and draw us closer to you. And we will give you the honor and the glory and the praise. Uh, these things we ask in your name. Amen. Uh, this is Mother's Day, and uh, traditionally on Mother's Day, one of the things that I normally do is I, I pick a, a godly woman in the Bible, and we, we learn from her, and we apply those, those, those principles to moms. And uh, this morning, I'm not going to do that, because actually, when we started this series, we spent some time on Moses' mom, uh, Jochebed. And Jochebed was uh, Moses' mom. She was actually a daughter of a man by the name of Levi, uh, who is a big character in the Bible as far as the tribe of Levi, uh, which was the high priest, which was the priestly tribe. Uh, she had three children. Miriam uh, was the oldest. She was a girl. Aaron uh, was next in line, about three years uh, older than Moses, and Moses was the last. So she had three children, Miriam. Um, Aaron and Moses, all three are important Bible characters. And so I just challenge you, we weren't online with the video portion of it then, but uh, go to some of the podcasts and, and go back and listen to that message on the uh, uh, first message on Moses when we talked about um, those people and, and, and the incredible faith that they had to trust God uh, in being able to um, put Moses in a, in a basket and uh, actually Moses means drawn out, and it's the idea of being drawn out of the water. And so uh, just an incredible mom. And uh, rather than, than go back and redo that message, I figure you can go back and listen to it. Um, or you can go back and pull up any of the Mother's Day messages. For We've been in the audio part of it for about uh, eight or nine years, and you can listen to any of those. But I really wanted to continue this series. And the reason I want to continue this series is because I think it is so applicable to where we are right now. Uh, we have uh, a tremendous amount of uncertainty ahead of us. We're heading into new territory. And there's probably no greater Bible story than, that I think applies to this situation than the children of Israel as they leave Egypt. They left that which they had known for years. And now they were headed into this unknown world, this, this uncertain world where everything was different and everything was changed. And I think as we follow their journey, as we're going to continue to follow their journey in the next couple of months, you're going to see that the principles that, that God uses to, to, to mold and shape Israel are actually the principles that will help us as we go forward. 
So uh, I just want to continue because I think it is so important for us to learn these principles. And as we go forward in the, the uncertain days ahead, uh, it will help and guide and direct us as well. So this morning we're in Exodus chapter 15, and each week we just kind of keep walking through the story. So uh, you can figure out where we leave off this week and read ahead next week to kind of get some ideas of, of where we're going. But we're in Exodus chapter 15 this morning. Um, the children of Israel have um, left Egypt. Uh, they came up against the Red Sea, and uh, they had the Red Sea in front of them. They had the Egyptian army behind them. And we talked about uh, some principles Uh, The last two weeks, we talked about some Red Sea principles of how do you handle things when you have difficult circumstances in front of you and an enemy behind you. And uh, we laid out some of those principles. The children of Israel uh, ended up walking across the the sea um, on dry ground. As the Egyptian enemy followed, the walls of water came crashing in and destroyed them. And when we last left the children of Israel last week, they're standing on the shore Uh, praising and singing praises to God for delivering them. And it was an exciting time because they were able to see their entire enemy wiped out and know that God is on the throne, God was going to protect them, God was going to love them, God was going to take care of them. And then we come to Exodus chapter 15. And here's what it says. It says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they travel in the desert without finding water. So we've gone now a whole three days before they come up against their next obstacle. <laughs> it says, when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. By the way, Marah means bitter. Um, so the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Going on, it says, then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. And he threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. So as we understand the story, let's walk through exactly what happens. What happens is they're singing praises now and watch the entire Egyptian army wiped out. They travel three days. And I think sometimes we're really hard on Israel, but the bottom line is we are just like Israel. So as we go through this story, you're going to see a lot of things that they did that we're doing. And that's why I think this is so um, applicable to where we are uh, as a a culture and uh, as we go forward. They go three days. Now, sometimes when we read those passages, we gloss over stuff. But I want to try to give you a picture of it so you understand. Um, We're talking about, with some estimates, as many as two million people. You're talking about moms. You're talking about children. uh, You're talking about cattle. You're talking about animals. You're talking about people. And they're marching across a desert. Um, a desert that probably looks something like this. This is, act- or, uh, this is the map. This is where they're going to go. And you can see where they cross the Red Sea. And then the first stop there is Mara. Um, and then they're going to go and we're going to talk about Elam next. But they, their first stop is Mara. But this is pretty much what it would have looked like. This is actually a picture looking back at the Red Sea. So this is pretty much what they have seen for three days. And then, in the middle of all of that, as they're getting thirsty, as, they're getting, as it's getting harder and harder and harder, they come to something that looks like this. So you can imagine how encouraging this was. Uh, and so they come to that place, and as they get there, all of a sudden they're thinking, great, 
God has provided for us. And they get there and they rush to the water and they grab some of the water and it's bitter. And the first thing that they do is they gripe and they complain. Forget the fact that God delivered them from Egypt. Forget the fact that they've just watched God use ten plagues in Egypt, seven of which they were spared from. Forget the fact that God has, they have watched God at the Passover deliver them. They have forgotten all of that, and they're coming to Moses, and they said, all right, what are we supposed to do now? The mindset behind the children of Israel here is basically they're griping and grumbling, thinking, you know what? God doesn't, God, God doesn't care about us. Um, we wanted water. That's what we wanted. And now we're here and we have water and it's not even fit for us to drink. And they come to Moses griping and complaining. And you look at it, and when we look at the story, it's easy to step back and go, you know what? I don't understand how Israel could go. I mean, three days before, they had watched God deliver them in an incredible way. Now, all of a sudden, three days later, I mean, if God can wipe out the entire Egyptian army, let them walk across the sea um, on dry ground, surely God can take care of them and give them something as simple as water. But they don't turn to God. They turn to griping and complaining. I think there's an incredible lesson for us. Because Israel had forgotten the blessings that God had already taken care of them. And I think that's easy for us. I think it's easy for us to sit back right now in what we're going through and forget all of the incredible things that God's done for us. And before we know it, we're griping and complaining. We're griping and complaining because this isn't right, or we don't get to do this again, or we're having to not do this. And, and yet, we forget all that God has done to get us to the point that we're at right now. To be able to be born in America where, where fresh water is not even an issue for most of us. To be able to um, realize that um, we can actually wash our hands, you know, for, for, for so long where we have people in, in other countries who don't have that privilege. Water is incredibly scarce. We have the ability to be able to back away a little bit and, and put some distance and put some space because we have space. And yet we forget that. And so Israel starts griping and complaining and come to Moses and say, now what are we going to do? And Moses goes to God. And it's interesting because Moses comes to God and says, okay, God, uh, I need you to take care of this. And God says, all right, Moses, I want you to take a piece of wood. I want you to throw it in the water and then the people can drink. And the people do. Now you go, and there's all kinds of speculation about, okay, what's the, what, why a piece of wood? There's people who go, well, it's a picture of the cross delivering them. And there's all kinds of ideas out there. on what. Here's the bottom line. It doesn't matter why it's a piece of wood. God said, this is what I want you to do. Take a piece of wood, throw it in the water. And this is what you're going to see over and over again with the children of Israel. It's about obedience. It's about doing what God says, the way God says to do it, when God says to do it. And that's exactly what he does. Moses takes a piece of wood, throws it in the water. All of a sudden now, all the people, the animals, the children, everybody can now drink. And then God uses this as an opportunity to remind Israel and to teach Israel. So notice what the text says next. The text goes on to say this. There, the Lord issued a ruling and an instruction for them and put them to the test. We talked about this last week. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God, and you do what is right in his eyes. If you pay attention to his commands and you keep all his decrees, 
I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. God basically reminds them of who he is. And so what happens is, in this passage, God takes this little parentheses and says, okay, guys, now while you're drinking this water, I want to remind you of something. You are faced with a choice. You are either going to acknowledge me as God, or I'm going to have to show you that I'm God. You can do it your way, or you can do it my way. You can learn to trust me, or you can keep trying to fight me. And if you fight me, you need to know Just like the Egyptians fought me, I had to remind them and teach them that I am God. And God basically steps back with the children of Israel and he says, look, I need to remind you of something. If you will follow me, if you will do what I ask, when I ask, the way I ask to do it, then everything's going to go fine. But if you decide to fight me on this, if you decide to constantly buck me on this, then I'm going to have to bring on you the things that I brought on the Egyptians. Now, this is important to remember. This is early in the discussion that God has with Israel because God wants the children of Israel to learn to trust him. And that's a big lesson that you're going to see over and over and over and over again. And I think that's where some of us struggle. We struggle with this idea of really trusting God that God's going to take care of us. We struggle inherent kind of in this this. Below the layer of what God says to Israel is this idea. And you're going to see this come up over and over again. But it's kind of this idea of, look, I'm the God who heals you. I brought you out here to keep you safe. I brought you out here to take care of you. If I wanted to wipe you out, I would have done it when I wiped out the Egyptians. If I wanted to do you, in in fact, I wouldn't have gone to all the effort to bring you out in the wilderness to take you. I would have taken you when you were back there. It would have been a whole lot easier. And Herod is that underlying tone with God that says, you know what, look, I'm here to help you. And yet often what happens is we continually question what God's doing and why God's doing it. And here's the bottom line. God is God. He does not owe us an explanation. And I think sometimes we forget that. I think sometimes that we forget it. Basically, what God said to him is, look, you need to understand, I'm here for you. I am the God who heals you, Jehovah Rapha. I'm the God who's going to take care of you. And you need to just trust me with that. And I think that is so important because I think sometimes we forget that. I think sometimes we forget that, you know what, God does want what's best for us. Now, that doesn't mean we get what we want, what it means is God looks out for the best intentions for us. And so God is going to provide and take care of us in the way that God knows is best to take care of it. And it will not probably be the way you think. Just like you wouldn't think that the way to take care of bitter water is to throw a stick in it, or throw a piece of wood in it. But God says, look, this is the way to do it. So we learn that the way God does things is not necessarily the way we think things ought to be done. And God says, look, you have a choice. You follow me or you fight me. And if you fight me, then I'm going to have to remind you that I'm God. And so he lays out that as kind of a parenthesis to everything that's going to follow in the the issue with the children of Israel. And then we come to the next passage, which is the passage that I think is so encouraging. And here's what it says. Exodus chapter 15. And then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs, 70 palm trees, And they camped there near the water. 
Um, here's a couple of pictures. Again, we're not sure exactly what these look like, but this is kind of an idea of what Elam would have looked like. This is probably one of my favorites. Um, I can imagine after traveling in the desert for a long time and you come across something like this, it's a time of rest. It's a time of refreshing. Um, and Elam's a great reminder of that. One of the things I think that you, you, you see often and one of the things that I think it's easy to forget is that often in times of difficulty, in times of hardship, in times of, of battle, God often provides those little Elam kind of places. Those types of places where you get a little bit of a rest and you get a little bit of a breather. And, and one of the things that I think is in, in encouraging to us is that um, the desert times allow us to appreciate and enjoy the times of Elam, uh, the places of Elam where, where God just kind of sits back and goes, you know what, let's just take a break here and let's just sit back and let's just um, appreciate where you are. And I want to challenge you with this idea because I think sometimes, like Israel, we have such short memory and that it's easy for us sometimes to forget and it's easy for us to sometimes to keep wanting to go on and on and on. And, and we forget where we've been. And we forget uh, uh, how difficult it was. And we, if we're not careful, we don't appreciate those places that God has for us. I mean, for, for a second, go back six months. Do you remember the discussions we had six months ago? I come up to somebody and say, hey, how are you doing? They're going, our life is so crazy. I mean, we've got so many things going on. I got kids in this and kids in that. And so, I mean, my husband and I, we don't even get to go to games together because they're at one game and I'm at the other game. And it's just a scheduling thing. And we just run them faster and faster and faster. And we don't get any rest and we don't get any time together. And, and, and you sit back and you go, my life is so crazy. I would just love a breather. And yet we find ourselves now with a great big breather. And yet what are most of us saying? I can't wait to get back to that. I got to get back to that. It's, I, I'm looking forward to getting the economy and everything, getting back to that and, 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 and doing the thing all over again and jumping back into it. Instead of realizing this is an incredible opportunity to take a breather and sit back and go, you know what? I need to find the joy in my current circumstance. I need to find contentment in where God has me right now. And I think if we're not careful, when those times of Elam comes, we're so anxious to get back on the road, to get back down to the next thing, that we don't learn to appreciate where we are. And I think that's a great lesson here. God brings them to Elam and says, okay, you know what? Now I'm going to give you a time where you can just relax and get refreshed and get ready for the next part of the journey. And I think sometimes we forget that because <clears throat> we're under so much intense pressure to keep Keep, keep the rat race going, to keep everything moving, to keep everything. And, 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 and that's what's frustrating to some of you right now. Some of you are so frustrated because, and I get it, we're an agrarian culture. In our culture, we're used to go, 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 go. If you know me, you know. I get that. Um, I, I, can, I can run that pretty fast. But one of the things that's important to realize is because we do that, we create this whole world of chaos around us. Um, there's an interesting passage uh, that Jesus is talking to his disciples um, in Matthew chapter 11. And, and I think it's really applicable here as we're talking about Elam is, is, is this. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary 
and burdened, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you a place like Elam. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus here comes to his disciples and he says, look, one of the things that I want you to understand is that if you will take the yoke, my yoke upon you, if you will be yoked to me, what you're going through right now, this idea that you're weary, this idea that you're burdened, this idea that, that, that you're having difficulty with everything that's happening right now around you, I will give you, and, and I love the concept, I will give your soul rest. I will take care of some of that. And he tells us how. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, yokes are something that we don't use anymore. Um, let, me, let me show you a picture, give you an idea of what a yoke looked like. Because there's some incredible concepts behind this idea of a yoke. Um, basically, the, 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 the necks of two animals, often oxes, uh, were put in this, and they would do the, the work. Um, in, in our culture, it used to be um, horses and, and things like that, back when, uh, before uh, we had tractors and those kinds of things. But there's a couple of principles about a yoke um, that become really, really important as we look at this, um, this idea. First of all, the, the idea of a yoke has this concept. It has the concept of control. You see, when two animals were yoked together, um, all of a sudden now they were in control. Um, if it was somebody behind them, maybe helping them, uh, pulling on one side or the other, but often the animals were the one who set the pace. The animals were the ones who were in control. And what Jesus says here is he says, look, you take my yoke, Upon you. You let me be the one that's in control. You let me be the one to set the pace. You let me be the one to, 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 to guide the direction of your life right now. And the idea when Jesus says, Look, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, it's this idea of allowing God to be in control. And that's one of the things that's frustrating right now. Because most of us have lived our lives where we thought we were in control. And we thought we were the ones calling the shots. And we thought we were the ones that were setting our destiny. And now all of a sudden, we have started to realize that control is an illusion. We just, we, God just allowed us to think we were in control. And now that we've lost control, we have people who are struggling. And they're trying to gain control. And they're trying to prop that up. And they're trying to make that happen. And the reality of it is, that will, that will destroy you. That will wear you out. And so one of the things that Jesus says is, look, one of the things that you have to do is you have to take my yoke upon you. You have to let me be the one who's in control. Second thing is this idea of a partnership. Um, when you took two animals and you yoked them together, what happened is now they would both work together to carry the load. It wasn't dependent on one of the animals to pull the whole load. It was now both working together in partnership Side by side, we're able to carry whatever it is um, they needed to, to accomplish, whether it was plow a field, whether it was carry a cart, whether it was uh, uh, pick up stuff and, and, and take it somewhere. They were now working together in a partnership. And that's one of the things that has to happen, is that when, 
when you take the yoke that God has designed for you, we'll talk about that in a second, but when you talk, take the yoke that God has designed, you work in partnership with God. You work in partnership with what God is doing. Um, if you've been around here any length of time, you've heard me say, uh, often I pray this prayer, Lord, uh, don't let me get in front of you. Don't let me get behind you, but let me walk side by side with you. Lord, and, and as we go forward, that's our prayer as a church right now. I don't want to get ahead of what God wants for us as far as getting back together. I don't want to be behind it. I want to open up and I want to start gathering together, led by God, side by side, in the right time, in the right way, uh, when, God, when we sense that God is leading us that way. And that is a hard way to live because we are so, it's so easy to be influenced by everything else. Instead, to be able to say, all right, Lord, what do you want from me in this situation? How is it that I can walk side by side with you in this situation as far as what you're doing in and through my life? And we walk side by side. Um, the, the, the other idea behind a yoke is this, and, and, and we lose this in our culture uh, because we don't understand this. Um, and <clears throat> I'm going to get in trouble here because I'm stepping into an area that I don't know anything about. Uh, so if, I, if, if I'm all wrong, you horse people can correct me later. But um, as I understand it in, in, in the horse situation, um, when you have a horse, it's very important that the saddle fit well. It's very important that the bridle fit well with the horse. You can get away with the wrong type saddle or you can get away with the wrong type bridle, bridle but it's going to cause some problems. Why? Because you really need one that's fit to the horse. When they made these yokes, one of the things that's interesting is um, that the yoke was designed specifically for the animals that were going to wear the yoke. Um, they were often custom made. Uh, there, there's a, there's a, a little story, a, a fable like, that, that runs around that, that in the carpenter shop at Jesus that says, we design yokes that fit. Um, I, I don't think it's true. I, I don't even think that Jesus was a wood carpenter. I think he was a mason. But anyway, that, that's all beside the point. It's a cute little fable story out there. But the idea is that uh, Jesus would have been very familiar with the concept of a yoke. And he would have been very familiar with the idea that, that the more comfortable the yoke was, the more that it was designed for that animal, the better that everything would work with that animal when it was yoked together with the other animal. It's the same way. God has designed a yoke for you and him to walk through this world together with. One of the important things for you to understand is that when you try to do things, when you and I try to do things that, that, that are outside of what God designed for us, then we get frustrated and we start to take upon ourselves pressures that God never designed for us to take on. Um, I, I see people getting involved right now in this, this argument about about you know, what should be done and, and, and how we should handle it and all of these kinds of things. And, and, and they're losing sleep and they're getting angry and they're getting, they're, they're, they're getting so passionate about all of this stuff. And here's the reality of it. God didn't put you in the position to be able to try to influence all those people. So why get frustrated with it? Figure out the yoke that God has designed for you to carry and use that yoke. Yoke together, partner with Him, allow Him to be in control. And allow him to do in and through your life what he has designed for you to do. And I think it's so important because it's so easy to get 
so sidetracked. And I think one of the reasons some of us are so frustrated, we read a passage like, take my yoke upon you because my burden is light. And we go, what do you mean? It is so hard to go out there and do it because you are doing things that God never designed for you to do. You're doing things, you're, you're getting involved in stuff that God never intended for you to get involved in. And you keep pushing that and you're getting more and more frustrated because it's not what God has for you right now. So even through this pandemic thing, my challenge to you would be to figure out what it is that God has for you to do during this time. To be able to be in partnership with him and allow him to control what happens in and through your, your thoughts and your actions and, and, and everything as you go through this week. So as we wrap up our time, a couple of, couple of lessons that I think are, is important uh, that will help us. Uh, first of all, um, a lesson from, uh, from Mara. Um, I think we have short memories. I think we often forget what God has done. And I, I just want to challenge you to step back and really learn to appreciate um, what God has done in your life. Um, people here know that, that I have years ago, I started, a, I heard about a pastor who did it. I started what I call a, a, a don't cry for me list. And uh, I just started going through my life and saying, you know, these are things that I got to do. These are things that I got to enjoy. These are things that God has blessed me with. These are ways that God has worked in my life over the years. And I think it's up to like uh, three or four pages now. But basically, it's a deal that I want to leave my family. One day when God calls me home, I want to be able to leave my family a list and be able to say, look, I, I know you're going to miss me, but here, don't cry for me because this is, a, this is representative of the life that I got to live. This is what God allowed me to be a part of in, in whatever time I have on this earth. So don't cry for me because I've had a great life. And when I go through difficult times, it's great for me to go back to that list to realize, man, God has taken care of me in so many ways for so many years. Whatever I'm up against now, I can just trust him because he'll make it come out because I've had all of these things that he has allowed me to experience. And I want to challenge you because I think we have short memories. And so for me, I personally, I, I mean, that's a list. And, you know, they're, they're one or two line things where it's like, you know, I got to do this. Um, you know, I was fortunate. I got to see my grandchildren uh, when, when they were born. I, I have a grandfather who died before I was born, so he never got to see uh, his grandchildren. And I, I, things like that, that, that. And I just want to encourage you because I think we have short memories. So it's so easy for us when things don't go well or don't go like we want to gripe and complain because we've forgotten all that God has done. So and I think that one of the lessons of Mara is they have this incredibly short memory of what God has done. Um, a second idea is this. God's ways aren't our ways. Um, God solves the Mara problem by throwing a piece of wood in the water. And you go, well, that didn't make any sense. It doesn't matter. It's about obedience. God said, Moses, this is what you do. And that's what Moses did. And it solved the problem. And when God encourages or God challenges you and I to do something, then that's what we need to do. When we read his word, this is the way you handle a situation, then that's what we do. We become obedient over and over again. You're going to see this with the children of Israel. God wants them to be obedient. He wants them to trust him. And they continually fight him. Because they are just like us. And it's so easy for us. So, so let's learn that, you know what? God, what God's doing right now may not be the way that we would do it. But let's learn to appreciate it, to be obedient, to do it His way. The other issue is this. And I understand that some of you are going through tough times. 
And, and some of what's happening is bitter and it's difficult and, and it's hard. And I, I don't, I don't want to minimize um, any of that. But some of what's happening right now is because you and I are focused on things that we can't change. And so we're spending a lot of time and we're, a lot of energy trying to get involved in stuff we just don't need to be involved with. And it's frustrating. And part of the reason is we're, we're actually bringing it upon ourselves. And for some of you, you know, I love this idea of, you know what, is it my responsibility to change it? No, then I'm not going to spend my energy there. Um, is there. Is there anything I can do about it? No, then why am I going to spend my time worrying about it? Um, and, and there's something to be said for living that kind of life. Um, and then there's the issue of Elam, a, a place of, of, of encouragement. Um, and I trust you have those Elam places in your life where you can look back and you can see where God's, in, in, in difficult times, God's given you that. One of the things that I think is unique about Elam is the idea that there's a time of rest and, and, and refreshing. Um, one, one of the joys that we have, it's called a blessed hope, but one of the blessed hope, the blessed hope that we have as children of God if you're a Christ follower, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you put your faith and trust in Christ. One of the great things about that is that you and I are looking forward ultimately to Elam. We're looking forward to a place where we can rest, where we can be refreshed, where there is no more sin, there is no more difficulty, there is no more pain, there is no more sorrow. We're united, we are united with our Savior forever and with our loved ones who have put their faith and trust in Him. There is an Elam, there is a time of refreshing coming for all of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So as we face this thing, and I, I deal with people who are like, oh, I'm afraid it's gonna, I'm going to die from this, I'm afraid that it's going to take my life. And I look back as a believer, I look at it as a believer and go, you know what, if it does, there, there are all kinds of things that can take my life. It happens to be with this virus, then I leave here and go to a place of refreshing and rest for all of eternity with my Savior, that's a win in any book. And I'm not trying to be lighthearted about it, but I have that blessed hope. You say, yeah, but you know what? It's just horrible. You know, I mean, I mean if you have to go in the hospital, you, you can't even be visited by your loved ones. But here's the thing. As a believer, I'm never alone. Jesus is always with me. So I never have to face the loneliness of not having one. That's why I think it's so important you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because there are so many things that come with that that, 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 that are important here in this world. And so for me as a believer, I look forward to that time. Um, do, do I, am I going to miss my loved ones? Do I, do, do I, no, I want to be here and, and make a difference as long as I can. But when I leave this world, and that day will come, then I get to spend eternity with my Savior. And what I have found is often in life, through difficult times, God often provides these, these places of Elam, these places of rest, these places of encouragement. And I have learned to write those places down and say, this is what I saw God do. This is how I saw God work. This is how God encouraged me. This is what God did. And as I go forward, those places of encouragement help me as I deal with the struggles and circumstances of this thing that we call life. And I want to challenge you, because I know a lot of people struggle with this right now. I know a lot of people are having a tough time with this. 
But as believers, we have a much different mindset. So I end this morning with this. God is always at work around us. He has not abandoned us. He will test us to see if we're going to focus on Him or if we're going to focus on our circumstances. He will not do things the way you and I think He should do things. His ways are different. He will provide a time of refreshing if we learn to rest in Him and take His yoke upon us. Let Him be in control this week. And... Um, Watch the difference it makes. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this time. Thanks for the lesson. Lord, we are all like Israel. We all struggle with this. It's so easy for us to gripe and complain when things don't go the way we think they should go. Lord, it's so easy for us to forget the times of encouragement, the times of blessing, the times that you have met needs in our lives. And, and, and Lord, we just push those aside and rush to, to wonder why you're doing what you're doing. So, Lord, help us, guide us, direct us, use us. And, Lord, this week, as we start to get involved in things, may we take a pause and just ask ourselves, Lord, is this really what you want us to be focused on? And, uh, Lord, use us. And when it is all said and done, Lord, may we be able to look back on this week and see you controlling, guiding, and directing every step of our way. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Well, moms, um, happy Mother's Day. Um, I know it's probably not the Mother's Day that you had in mind. Uh, I know that uh, it's uh, a very different Mother's Day. It's one that you will uh, mark in your memory for a very long time. But um, it is what God has for us now. So God will use this in each of our lives. So I want you to encourage your mom today. Uh, and if you're a mom... Uh, be encouraged in this uh, incredible thing called uh, motherhood that God has called you to. So, Lord willing, we will see you online next week. Um, thank you for joining us. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. If you want to jot us a note and let us know how you're doing, we appreciate that. So stay encouraged. Um, encourage somebody else. And let God be in control this week. Lord bless you. Have a great week.